I'm Matt Ward and welcome back to episode 8 of the Running Industry Alliance podcast where we delve deep into the running industry and its key sectors and people and businesses within those sectors, unearthing new ideas and looking at themes such as sustainability in the industry, emerging technology, focusing in on brands and also a plethora of other topics to give you some insight into the running industry. Joining me today on the podcast will be my co-host, Tom Kerry, our resident mass participation event expert at the Running Industry Alliance. And today, we'll be chatting with ultra runner, mum of three, trustee of women in sport, and the founder of She Races, Sophie Power. She Races aims to ensure women have the same event and race opportunities as men, and to push for a situation where races are designed through a female lens as well as a man's. Tom, thanks for joining me on the pod. Uh, Great to have you along. Hi, Matt. Great to be here. Yeah, good to have you along as my co-host, of course. Um, You've had a busy summer delivering and taking part in many mass participation events. um, And I'm sure you're looking forward to hearing from Sophie as much as I am. Yeah, it's been a great summer taking part in in a number of running events myself and um, also organising. I've been part of organising teams for for, for, for a load as well. And uh, uh, the running events seem to have made a pretty strong comeback this year. Um, generally, we've seen participation numbers going up in the highest profile events. You know, we've seen some really good numbers, which is great to see. But that disparity between uh, the number of men and women lining up um, certainly does still exist, um, in, you know, across so many events. And, and perhaps um, that number has been exaggerated further in the last few years. So um, really excited to hear from Sophie and what she's trying to achieve and uh, hopefully we can add our voice um, to uh, readdressing that disparity. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And um, I do look forward to us sharing some more regular hosting duties here on the uh, Rear podcast as well, Tom. Thanks very much for joining me, as I say. So let's get into today's episode and let's meet Sophie Power from She Races. So Sophie, welcome to the Running Industry Lines podcast. It's uh, really good to have you along today as our guest. Thanks for having me. Um, why don't we begin right at the start, I suppose, by delving into the reasoning behind and why you founded uh, She Races? Sure. So I guess I'll go back to the beginning. I've been an ultra runner for kind of quite a few years. And in uh, 2014, I had a place at UTMB and I was pregnant. And I assumed that they would defer my entry because I'd spent a lot of money and a lot of racing trying to get my my place. And uh, they said no. Um, Fast forward another four years and I get another place. And um, it was kind of the point where you kind of roll. If you don't get in two years in a row, you get an automatic place. And so kind of almost two years before I knew I had a place and then found myself pregnant um, and worked out to have a three month old baby on the start line. Um, so not a great time to be racing um, your dream race, which I'd worked for for so many years, and they still didn't have a pregnancy deferral policy. So I ended up running a 106-mile race with the three-month-old baby breastfeeding him, and um, Alexis Burke, the, the incredible photographer, took a photo, which went viral around the world. And what that photo did, I think, was really kind of highlight that there are barriers that women face in running events that that men simply don't Mm. we give birth we have babies I had to breastfeed around the course I had to try and recover postpartum which is um, one of the most difficult things kind of a mother can do to get back to full fitness and this just wasn't right they should have given me that deferral Um, so lots of races 
then contacted me and said, we just didn't think about it. You know, we don't have a deferral policy um, because it, it's not in our consciousness as a, as a mostly male race director. Um, so I started fighting for pregnancy policies um, in races. And kind of one of the more famous ones was London Marathon to to allow the, the good for age and championship deferral. We then took a step back and said, you know, what? this is not pregnancy deferrals. You know, I was looking around at the start lines I'm on and I do the longer ultra marathons and I just wasn't seeing many women. And I certainly wasn't seeing a diversity of women and thought, I need to get to the bottom of this. Let's work out what the barriers are to women doing these longer ultra marathons, not the grassroots barriers, the fact that we don't have as much time um, to train, the, the fact that kind of we're taught as early as five years old. And I'm a trustee of women in sport and we've done some primary girls research and it really starts very young that girls are led to believe we're not sporty. But events can do so much. And brands can do so much that let's work out what these are and put a huge survey out of over 2000 women to really delve into these barriers and then create these guidelines for races that are almost free to, to implement just so that there's no more barriers being put up to us completing these events and really fully participating in our sport. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? I think um, events are very complex things to organize and you know take a take a long time to do um but actually a lot of what you're talking about is, is common sense practical stuff that is easy to implement and not uh you know not necessarily a, you know hard for organizers to 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 do and um we we went out to our members to have a have a have a look at what uh what the splits between men and women lining up on start lines look like across across you know some of the big events that are out there and and actually, we found even if you look at different regions, different distances, um, different profiles of events, we're still even at best if it's forty percent women on the start line. That you know, that's the highest sort of number we'll see. Which, which you know, just it, it, you can't be right when when actually the vast majority of those will be plenty lower than forty percent. So, um, you know, it's wrong. And you've talked about some of those reasons why the gender parity isn't isn't experienced but and some of the guidelines so perhaps you could touch more on what you think um some of those barriers are and what what you've done what you know your recommendations are for making that change sure so i guess when we look at participation i think women are still the majority when we look at 5k 10k races and it's very much as we go to the the longer races and the trail races um that we see kind of women falling off um and we're more than 50 percent of runners so and um, we all have the same goals and we we all still want to achieve as women. So there, there shouldn't be a reason in that so much. And when we look at the guidelines, can we split them into three? One is how do we actually get more women on the start line? What are race organizers? What can they do to encourage more women to participate? And then how do we give women um, as good an experience as possible, realizing that we experience an event in a slightly different way to men? Um, and then how do you equally value our competition because there are two races going on we're a mixed start line but there are two races going on um so talking through kind of the the how do you get more on the start line um and we can think about what we've been put off by so kind of so many women are put off by the cutoffs so kind of especially on the longer races like almost half women are put off by cutoffs and races and how they're described so making us feel that we can actually achieve them so we've seen 10ks with a cutoff of one hour 10 minutes now, even if a woman can run that, that's really off-putting because if you have somewhere you need to top the toilet, 
describing the cutoffs and the pace you need to do. Um, so women feel it's more achievable, especially if we're doing kind of more of a walk run. Um, the language is often very off-putting. What what appeals to men often doesn't appeal to women. We want we want a challenge. We want we want to know that it's hard, but we also want to feel that it's somewhere that's safe for us to be, um, and somewhere we can we we can really have a good go at. Um, and the imagery is part of this as well. Um, so many women we put off just by the imagery on the race being often the start line picture, which is often the elite men. And not really seeing ourselves in that space. So seeing kind of someone that is our size, kind of our color, kind of our pace, um, our age as well. So look at all those things, which are so easy to fix. Um, and logistics. Um, women love logistics. We want to know how we're going to get there, how we're going to get home. We want to know where the places are to stay. We want if there's any, if it's safe to go on public transport at that point, um, how our bag is going to move. Um, all these things that are known by race organisers and they just have to be put on a website. So all these things kind of come together to get more of us on the start line. And then when we're there, we want better toilets. Um, so many of us, so many times I'm in the field and there's all the guys peeing on the side and there's nowhere for a woman to go to the toilet. And some of us are comfortable peeing behind bushes. Um, I've done this long enough that I will take any kind of bush, but we've got to get more women into sport. So female only toilets with period products because on a race, our period can come because it's a stress in the body. It can come really early. It could come really late. Changing facilities um, that are private um, because some women don't feel confident changing public and we shouldn't be expected to. Um, oh, and T-shirts that fit us, kind of bad-fitting T-shirts are bad for the environment and they're pretty disrespectful for women too. So there's things on the race. Um, and then our competition, so often it's just an afterthought. So we, we put posts up where there's been a tape out for the male winner and not a tape for the female winner. Um, where the social media said the winner of the races is this guy and, you know, first woman was this. Now, she's the winner, too. There are two races in this. Um, and the social media posts, the coverage, the media coverage um, around the, the female race as well as the male race is so important. So all of this is pretty much free to do. Um, and we've detailed the guidelines that are downloadable from our website. And we're always happy to answer questions for events. But it's just a sense that this is what a race could look like through a female lens. And if you can do all these things, and that's what we see the races signed up, have many more women on their start lines because they're doing very simple, free things. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? You mentioned there about the shorter distances and probably getting closer to that 50-50 or even indexing more women than, than, than men. And we found that the, the London Winter Run, for example, I think we've got some stats from them where it's 55% of um, the start line is women, a you know, fantastic big charity event happening in the, the centre of London. And then I, I've got some stuff around half marathons where that suddenly seems to be slightly less, albeit you know some good ones. Some of the bigger events are, are getting near that 50-50. And ultra running you're talking about, I think, I think the stat is something like across the whole industry, something like about th only 30% of the start line is, 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 is women. And I, and I noticed, um, from, from again, one of our members, Threshold Sport, some of the stuff they're doing in their trail series and in, in Jaw 24, it's getting much more 50 50. So, you know, th there are some great examples out there from our members are doing stuff. And 
And of course, I think we're, we live in a world now where uh, event organizers are happy to talk to each other as well and share best practice. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that RIA came together. So, you know, hopefully we, we can start signposting people to, 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 to others that are doing stuff in, in the right way and in that, you know, that, 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 that can become more commonplace across many more races. It was interesting when we were chatting, um, offline, you were talking about, the, the, the sense for organizers that actually commercially, of course, why are you missing out on a you know, significant amount of um, the population who could sign up and be part of your event or buy your products or whatever? And it makes perfect business sense, doesn't it, to, uh, to, to attract as many women as possible as, as men? No, you're absolutely right. It is uh, a commercial thing. When we look at race directors, um, the overwhelming majority, there, there's some race directors that have been thinking about this from the beginning and you often find that it's a female race director or they've been taking a lot of feedback from their participants and creating this culture. I mean, we have ultras that are over 50% and you can look at kind of what they're doing to be really inclusive. But most race directors go, I just didn't realize. I just didn't realize about it. Um, and you know what? This is so easy to do. And this is commercially great for me. And I really care about the experience of, of everyone on my start line. I want to create this good event. And there's a few more that are just like, I just want more women on my start line because it's good for business. And so overwhelmingly, I mean, kind of, if we look at in our survey, you know, 96% of women have experienced barriers at events, 96%. So most women have had this experience. And then you turn it to kind of 88% of women are more likely to sign up for event that's showing it's inclusive of women and showing that it's doing these things to really encourage us. Mm. So you'd be crazy not to do something that's free um, or almost free and get more women on your start line and then create this kind of much better event for every single participant there. Because I think some of the, some of the things are saying kind of toilets, well, there's a lot of men that actually kind of need, would like more toilets and better facilities for that reason as well. And kind of better logistics and better imagery. Not every man is that elite on the start line. We have to remember that this is, this is really for everyone. So we've had such a fantastic response from from race directors and kind of we have a, a thing where you can sign up for she races and it's free um and it's just committing to kind of some of the simple parts of the guidelines and really the philosophy behind doing what is is possible uh, to make your event inclusive and and then just using our logo so that it actually really helps women find the event and look at that and they go it's a she races event i know that i'm really gonna be welcomed i'm gonna have a great time um you know my competition is gonna be fully valued and I know, Tom, you're going to talk a little bit about kind of um, how RIA principles come into this as well. Just one thought that's coming to my head as well there, Sophie, when thinking about you're obviously a trustee of uh, women in sport. And visibility is big, a big part of this, I'm presuming, as well as that we've all seen what's happened with things like, you know, the Lionesses football, for instance, and all that kind of thing. And surely that, that, that's also very important as well, isn't it, within this, in that visibility that uh, the next generation as well can aspire to. Absolutely. And I think kind of it's visibility through the, the whole of the, the pack, we call it. So the elite visibility kind of is, is so important um, to get more elites into sport so they can get those sponsorship. And we work with UTMB this year and saying, let's try and get 50 percent of the coverage about the female race, mm. because then, you know, I've got, I've got a two year old daughter. I want her to see female runners on the TV. And we know that those, those those female athletes can then go to their sponsors and, and ask for the same as the men because they're getting the same coverage. So we can create that elite side. But what we also want to see is, is women just like us. Now, I love seeing mothers cross finish line. I've got three kids, three small kids. And 
every time I see a mother that's just like me crossing going, oh, I, I know I can do that. And people that just come into the sport and especially kind of with ultras, you know, kind of people, some of the language that's often used around the races has been so tough. And actually you can walk them all. And there's great um, organizers that kind of do um, intro ultras where there's no cutoff. It, kind of the, the X-Energy events, there's no cutoff. You know, you keep walking, they'll let you finish. And seeing the pictures of those women that have aren't runners, but they can do that distance. I mean, a marathon is 26.2 miles, no matter how fast you go. And getting that side of the sport is a huge opportunity to bring these people in and for us to look at them and go, she's done it. I think I can do it for my daughter to have, you know, athletes to look up to that that she can she can look at. I don't identify with elite male athletes or even a lot of elite women that, that don't have children and don't have my life set up. They're not juggling as many balls as I. So I think it's so important that we see a full diversity of women. And that really is kind of age, color, size, kind of every every woman seeing in the sport someone that looks like them, that, that has the same kind of setup as them um, and knowing that they can achieve too. Yeah, they're, they're all fantastic points. And again, you've articulated them really well in the simplest form. To, you know, it, make, it makes perfect sense for people, doesn't it? To, you know, this, this shouldn't be a hard thing to do. This should be just a straightforward thing for, for organisers to do. And maybe we can just move away from event organisers. RIA as a, as a collective is, is there for our members to assist our members to improve the sport and business of running. And I, and I think that we, we, we're, we're lucky in that we've got a, a, an alliance that has a, such a broad range of people associated with, with the running industry. And I suppose it, my question now moves on to outside of event organisers. You know, how, how can the rest of the industry um, help and, and support inclusivity across running as, as a whole? I think the industry and brands have a huge role to play in this and, and actually can have so much power to drive change. I think kind of as women, we're, we're getting a bit sick of, of people kind of highlighting someone who's climbed over loads of barriers um, to get somewhere and saying, right, that person's climbed all these barriers. You can climb these barriers too. When what they could do is just take the barriers down for us. And I think there's going to be a new age in brand sponsorship and, and marketing and kind of connection with female athletes to those brands that are actively working um, to support us in what we do. And whether that's a kind of grassroots and really working with those grassroots groups to bring in people from diverse communities. But when we look at events, you know, brand organized, if we want to drive change in events, we just need to look at the sponsors. Um, and that's how kind of some of the biggest changes that she races worked have come about when a, a, an organizer said no. You know, we've gone to the brand and the brand's been shocked that there wasn't a pregnancy deferral policy because that brand is doing so much work to show how inclusive they are in their imagery and in their sponsorship. Yet they're sponsoring an event that is not supportive of female athletes. So for us, if brands put in a policy that say we're going to support the inclusive events, because if we don't, and we're, this is kind of a, something they can't see in their, kind of their policies. It's, it's very much, you support the inclusive events, events will become more inclusive. So as a brand, you have so much power. Mm. And you can also work outside the events, you know, kind of working with kind of something like She Races to amplify what we do, um, helping us support the brand, saying these are the different things you can get involved with to really bring down those barriers. Looking at insight work, I know that there's some big brands out there we're working with doing some huge insight pieces and what can we do? So I think the brand responsibility is changing. I think there's a huge amount brands can do 
and just putting their label on a race isn't going to be the the right thing to drive change but I don't think it's going to be the right thing to drive engagement with that brand you know we kind of when I see a brand really doing something amazing for women I feel very connected to that brand and I know a lot of women feel the same this is a really good point because are you actually having these conversations with you know kind of practical conversations with brands are you actually you know going and knocking on doors for want of a better word to some of these brands and saying hey you're sponsoring this event over here you're a brilliant brand but you know, the, these people you're working with, you know, are you actually being controversial is the wrong word, but are you actually pushing down barriers yourself and saying, come on now, step up? We are. We're, we're not afraid to be slightly controversial, I think is definitely the, and that's what's worked. I think with the bigger, the bigger race organizers, absolutely. And you can see that with the work with London Marathon and UTMB and UTMB kind of after five years, we've got a pregnancy policy and now they're actually working on a big project kind of to, they put most of the she races guidelines in, for example, now. So we're not afraid to be controversial, but I think it's really about working in partnership. Events don't know what they don't know and brands don't know what they don't know. Um, and now kind of I'm starting to have those conversations with brands and, and now I guess trying to get more resource for she races and actually partner with brands. So we're funded properly that we can then go out kind of globally. We started going out to other countries and had engagement um, overseas. Um, I sit on the board of ITRA the International Trail Running Association. So starting with the ITRA to get those guidelines in place going out, but we need resources to do it. Um, so we're having the important conversations. I think when I set up She Races, it was very much, you know, what can I do? Because I can't break down the barriers to grassroots, but can I have, do I have a platform to have very important conversations with the people I need to have conversations with? Yes. Um, but now at a point, we really need to expand that. And I think um, the more brands that we can talk to that change their thinking on how sponsorship should work and how they should use their influence and their activation. It's not just who your sponsor is, it's how you're activating that. Um, I think, I think over the next few years, we'll see a real shift um, and a positive one. I guess one thing that also um, comes out of this as well, Sophie, is that um, you're going to be at the conference as well, which is, which is really good um, in December. We look forward to seeing you there. Do you see that as an opportunity as well to have these face-to-faces because, um, you know, it's going to be a, a kind of environment whereby you're hopefully going to, you know, meet a lot of people, um, you know, 300 members plus are going to be there. Do you see that that kind of like, you know, that those, those environments where you can actually get in, you know, sit one-to-one or in a small group of, um, of these um, influential people, do you see that as an opportunity as well for she races? Oh, absolutely. I'm really excited um, to be at the conference and meet everyone. I think there's a lot of learnings that we've done, a huge amount of insight work that we've done that's really helpful for brands and, and event directors. And kind of what I want to do is kind of be available for anyone to ask questions or share ideas or think about what they can do. Um, my, I guess my personal, I'm, I'm an ultra runner, my personal background is in is in marketing and, and a CEO as well. So um um, and a CFO. So I understand the financial implications too. So kind of helping kind of people think through that. Um, I'm really excited and seeing what opportunities are out there. I think kind of for us, we're working on, you know, what we do for Women's Day, uh, what we do next year and look at our plans and how we, how we really kind of supercharge what we're doing because there's a huge leverage. We change one decision for a race. You know, that affects kind of thousands, tens of thousands of women. So a very small investment into driving change um, and influence can have much bigger influence than just 
putting your name on a banner somewhere for a brand. So really starting to get, and, and for me to understand kind of what brands are thinking, what event organizers are thinking and how we can work better with them to, to really start to transform the industry. I mean, in just a year, I mean, we set up She Races kind of just last summer and some things are getting really normalized in UK races, longer races. There's a lot of period products out there. Um, there's a lot of pregnancy deferral policies. There's been changes in imagery. Mm. And that's in just one year. Imagine what we can do in kind of kind of as as we go forward. So um no, really excited about meeting everyone. And um please anyone kind of that wants to have a chat, get in contact with me before. Um I'll be limping because <laughs> I've got the twenty four hour world championships on the first of December. I'll be limping. You'll be able to spot me. Well, you you'll be you'll be fine. I'm sure you're uh, you're such an accomplished racer. Um and that, that perfectly leads on, I suppose, as well. Um maybe a final question, Sophie, is you know, what you've achieved in one year, which sounds incredible in itself. Um, if you could fast forward, I say, you know, five years from now, who knows where we'll all be in five years, but hey, where would you like to see She Races um, as an organisation? I mean, I, I can also say kind of the same thing I'd say kind of women, so we'd like not to exist. Right. Um, <laughs> I'd like some free time. Um, I've got no free time. But really, I think getting into, kind of taking down all those barriers is one thing, but then it's getting more women through to the start line um, as well. So kind of the barriers of people that are running already, we need to start looking at those women who are running that haven't had the confidence to take on a race. Um, and how do we get them in, into racing? Because we believe so much in the power of someone crossing a finish line. Um, and that's why somebody said, well, someone runs, like that's enough you know, racing and being more engaged in our sport, kind of the, the impact through the rest of your life. So I'd love to see that. I think we started to go international. Um, we've got so much interest from other countries there are countries that have even more of an imbalance in the uk mm. if we look at um kind of utmb figures on their their stats and races you've got kind of southern europe is very low female participation and then we go out to the rest of the world whereas you have very high participation in australia new zealand and uh, us is more kind of aligned with the uk so really going global and making sure that if there's a barrier to women being on a start line you know we are supporting people to take that down think that you know not existing in five years because the industry has changed is uh, is actually a fantastic goal to have um, um so that's so that's really interesting and i think um this is the second conference that we're going to have in december and, and certainly one of the takeaways last year from the conference is it really brought people together who found ways to collaborate afterwards and i think uh you know i'd, I'd hope that the conference um, provides lots of opportunities for more resources for, for she races more advocates of what's what you're trying to achieve comes away from that conference with a with a determination to make a difference and to support you in, in, in what you're trying to achieve as well so so really looking forward to that and we, what we haven't asked you is where where people go to find the guidelines we've been talking about sure so we are our website is sheraces.com um and event organizers can download the guidelines um, and the event sign up. So to sign up, it's very simple, kind of committing some very basic principles. And then most importantly, talking about them on the website, what you're doing, because we have lots of event organizers that tell us they're doing everything they possibly can. And if they don't actually tell women about it on the website and when they're signing up, they don't know how good the race is going to be. So that's actually one of the most important things is do great stuff and tell us about it. Um, on Instagram, we are she.races um, and we share kind of um, a lot of our stats there. Um, and look what's going on races there. Um, and we have a newsletter that 
comes out as often as uh, as often as I can write one. But there's there's so much going on. But if anyone has any questions um, and issues, then hello at sheracist.com. Um, always happy to answer um, any questions and support any brands um, interested in supporting our work or any event organisers. The same. Time's obviously against us, as always, on the podcast. And uh, and thank you very much in your busy schedule, Sophie, as well. Get lots going on, no doubt, for you at the moment. And not least so, uh, getting ready for that 24-hour race. I'm, I'm guessing it takes a little bit of training to get ready for something like that. It's been a fascinating chat. Um, and we're always grateful to our guests, of course. And uh, so massive thanks for you taking time. And we'll see you in December at the conference. Yes, looking forward to meeting you in person rather over a screen. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Sophie. That's that's been really insightful, and you know, really enjoyed listening to you. And and you know, I hope you uh, I've inspired people to, to to make that change. And you know, we can see more women lining up at races. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much, Sophie. Well, Tom, what a great conversation that was with Sophie. Um, I mean, what specific messages and takeaways do you get from that conversation? Yeah, I thought I thought there were so many interesting things um, that that we learned today, uh, but also that actually we're not looking to do anything that you know is particularly rocket science worthy. You know, it's it, it's straightforward set of guidelines, mm. um, understanding that a woman's experience will be different to a man's. Um, you know how women feel when they're entering events and how they feel when they're racing. The, the language we use and um, imagery and the logistics and and how the interaction between different partners and brands and, and, and event organizers can work positively on, on so many levels in, in just, um, you know, engaging more women in, in, in what we do as an industry. So fascinating chat, um, some, some great takeouts for everyone there. And, and, you know, hopefully, um, you know, the, the fascinating thing that Sophie said there about not existing in five years, because, because actually what, what a, What's what's being introduced has been successful, and and uh, and that, that that disparity no longer exists. You know that's that's really exciting, isn't it, for the future of the industry? I guess what I take away from it as well, Tom, is the fact that some of these things, they obviously once you've talked about them, once Sophie kind of outlined them, they just seem quite obvious, don't they? That what we should be doing as an industry. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, incredible reasoning and simplicity is often you know the most important thing is you know let's, let's not overthink let's just just get on with it and and be respectful of um everyone in society who 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 can take part and make sure that they want to take part because of what we're doing is 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 providing a a welcoming environment for everyone yeah 100% I'll echo that anyway thanks very much for your time today tom um really enjoyed it um it's been a great podcast and uh yeah hopefully we'll share some time again on the running industry alliance podcast in the future thanks matt loved it thanks a lot tom the running industry alliance podcast is produced by supersonic podcasts and presented by myself matt ward along with some wonderful co-hosts here at the running industry alliance we'd be so grateful if you could subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts and you can follow us on social media via running industry alliance If you're part of the running industry and you want to find out more about RIA and how you could be a member, just head to our website at runningindustryalliance.com. And you can find out a lot more about the Running Conference too via our website, therunningconference.com. And of course, via our social media. Thanks once again for listening and we'll be back real soon with another episode. See ya.